This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. It is hard to keep up with the news nowadays. We seem to live in a high state of alertness. In the last two months alone, the Israeli ambassador, Sharon Barley, was escorted from the AU Heads of State Summit. South Africa was grey-listed. And the University of the Free State has announced that it will introduce Israeli water tech to Kwakwa through water management collaboration. Fortunately, there is one person who is able to talk about all these topics, and that is Professor Hussein Sullivan. He's Senior Professor at the Center for Gender and Africa Studies at the University of the Free State. Professor, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me once again. Professor, let's start um, more global and then move in. Shall we start with what happened at the African Union and what South, South Africa's relationship with the Union and maybe with global partners is? Okay, so um, the Deputy Director General of the Israeli Foreign Ministry, who uh, had a cogitation and had a tag, was uh, escorted out by Burley security officials of the African Union. Uh, according to the African Union, she um, she didn't have accreditation, and that was patently untrue. It was also said by the African Union that they didn't invite Israel because they were um, uh, there's a committee which is still discussing its observer status. Uh, so despite the uh, contradictory signals coming out of the AU, the Israeli foreign ministry blamed South Africa and Algeria for it. They, of course, have been lobbying intensely uh, the African Union and uh, and various uh, regional blocs not to grant Israel observer status to the African Union. Uh, subsequent to that, the uh, AU's, um, or rather the ANC's uh, statement seemed quite elated with the ejection of the Israeli Deputy Director. Uh, Professor Hussein, are the Americans starting to get a little bit annoyed with South Africa? I think the Americans are getting very annoyed with the South Africans on the basis of our ostensible neutrality in terms of the Russian-Ukraine question. And then we have naval drills on the anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine, I think that um, there was a lot of tensions between South Africa's uh, intelligence services and the presidency with the Americans following the warning of a possible bombing of Santin. Um, and South Africa has to be extremely careful, given the fact that it has preferential access via AGOA, the African Growth and Opportunity Act, to U.S. markets and the fact that the uh, U.S. is a major trading partner for South Africa. Uh, in fact, the U.S. trade is 13 times that of our trade with Russia. I mean, I saw more recently that um, America issued another warning to, for Americans living here to kind of stockpile, as it were. And uh, Minister Pandor also saying that she thought that was an absolutely ridiculous kind of... Uh, suggestion. So, I mean, there are tensions, but we need, I think, America more than America needs South Africa. Would I be correct? Yeah. Um, look, the Americans, uh, uh, by law, are supposed to warn their nationals uh, about these things. 
Um, the other side of the coin is the fact that there are South African businesses, for example, who are warning of a total shutdown. Okay, you have the head of uh, uh, Business Unity South Africa warning of an Arab Spring type uh, insurrection revolt in South Africa and so forth. So it's not just coming from the Americans, it's coming from South Africans themselves. And I think they're duty bound to inform their students to stock up. I mean, sorry, their citizens to stock up. Sorry. Um, Professor, does this kind of bring us to the grey listing issues? Are they kind of but not related? Well, the grey listing is very important, and this is an international watchdog to ensure that there's compliance and there's these international standards being applied uh, to prevent um, uh, terrorist financing and corruption, okay, and the uh, proceeds of organized crime and so forth. Now, if you go back to 2007, 2009, 2015, 2021, the Financial Action Task Force kept telling South Africa, and just by the way, South Africa is a member of the Financial Action Task Force, kept telling South Africa, uh, uh, you have certain deficiencies, you have to do this and you have to do that, and so on. And the South Africans passed legislation, you would recall, in terms of December. They passed the General Laws Amendment Act, and they passed uh, uh, an amendment to the Terrorist Act, and so forth. But it's not that which the Financial Action Task Force has an issue with. It has a problem, not so much with the legislation, but the enforcement thereof, um, which is woefully inadequate. And hence... We were greylisted last Friday. As a terrorism expert, what are the implications of it for terrorism in, in this country and in Africa? Well, let me put it to you this way. The UN Security Council has already warned that South Africa has become a, a conduit for terrorist financing uh, elsewhere on the African continent, and most notably, in more, in more recent cases, uh, to Mozambique to support insurgency there, as well as to um, to to Islamic State Central Africa. Um, and for a long time, South Africa has been a so-called rear base. So terrorists would come to South Africa uh, to stay in safe houses, to acquire legal passports and identity documents via illicit means, uh, to have a terrorist financing. So we've had uh, paramilitary camps, we've had um, the movement of diamonds, uh, and uh, of course there's been this extortion and ransom and having this money being sent over to Al-Qaeda and Islamic State and so forth. And I, and, and it has huge negative implications for the rest of Africa. And for a long time, the South Africans, both in terms of capacity and the political will, have not dealt with this cancer of terrorism and terrorist financing in particular. Can South Africa self-correct? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm really sorry. Can you repeat that question again? Sure. Can South Africa self-correct? I, I don't believe that South Africa can self-correct uh, with the current ANC in 
in power. Um, they have uh, single-handedly destroyed our prosecution services, our investigating capabilities, and so forth. Um, you know, there was a raid uh, on in the case of Farhad Huma in terms of his house. Um, uh, and uh, what happened was they they, they got 200 electronic uh, devices, cell phones, laptops, and stuff, which basically gave police five terabytes of information. But they only had one person to actually go through this. So when you talk about terrorism cases and so on, these inadequate uh, preparation for it results in the cases being thrown out repeatedly. There's only been one conviction in terms of a terrorist case in South Africa, and that's something that the Financial Action Task Force has raised. The other problem, of course, is just ideology that the uh, that the ANC still believes that um, you know um, uh, a terrorist is another man's freedom fighter and so forth, and they don't understand the nature of modern terrorism, frankly. I mean, that's quite, quite uh, disturbing. But we're going to end, Professor, on a positive note, and that is the collaboration between the University of the Free State and Israeli Water Technology to ensure good water management in Kwakwa. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So a few years ago, I took the initiative of uh, signing an MOU um, with Clive Lipchin of the Arava Institute for uh, Environmental Studies in Israel. And uh, he has visited our campuses and our colleagues here, especially from the Africa Montaigne Project, based at our Kwakwa Project uh, uh, campus, visited Israel. And um, there are major challenges of water, uh, specifically around wastewater management. And with Israeli technology, uh, uh, my colleagues at the Kwakwa campus are assisting the local community and the local municipality with wastewater management. And, and I mean, water is life. So we are very, very grateful for this collaboration. What are the, what are the outcomes of the collaboration? What do you hope to, to get? Well, uh, water to the community. I mean, at the moment, they, they, they are being trucked in water. I mean, it would be wonderful for them to open up their taps and there is water running out of there. It would change the quality of life uh, for the local community. And that is basically our aim, to try to uplift the local community, leveraging this Israeli water technology to ensure that uh, that uh, water is not wasted, that uh, we can adequately recycle uh, uh, wastewater and ensure that it actually uh, um, assists people. And, of course, Israel is the world leader in this. Have you had any um, comeback? Uh, a comeback in what sense? In terms of um, boycotts? You know, what's been happening, to go back to our earlier point about the African Union, is that more and more Africans, there are 46 African countries which have ties with Israel, spanning fields of technology, agriculture, uh, security, and so on. I think more and more people are becoming pragmatic in terms of their relationship 
with Israel, and unlike the South African government, is not viewing Israel through an ideological lens. On that very positive note, Professor, um, we're going to leave it. But thank you very much for joining me and for kind of giving the context of what is happening in our, in our country and on, on our continent. And well done on your initiative to collaborate with Israel. Thank you very much. That was Professor Hussein Solomon, Senior Professor, Centre for Gender and Africa Studies at the University of the Free State.